Well, church, if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll be in verses 5 through 6 for a message entitled, Clothe Yourself with Humility. But first, let's pray. Lord, great is your faithfulness. Just a joy hearing your people that you have purchased and redeemed sing praises to you and it's a very sweet thing. We thank you for the love that you have shown this church. We thank you for those who just represent you so well, for your grace and your mercy and your joy and your peace and your good works. We thank you for your word. Father, help me to accurately teach your word to your people. Pray that you would use me to bring glory to Jesus Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 1 Peter, we have learned so much. I hope that you have taken a lot away on how to treat a spouse, how to treat an employer or an employee, how to treat the government, how to treat a pastor. And so now we're coming to towards the finish of 1 Peter, and God just continues to use this man to give us so much wisdom. And what we're going to focus on today is humility, humility. So let's look at our passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So, we want to first break down the definition of what it is to be Humble, or what is humility? One source says it's meekness or lowliness. The dictionary says that humility is the freedom from pride or arrogance. I heard someone say that a humble person doesn't think less of their self, they just don't think of their self. And so we are called as Christians to be a humble person. People. And so if this is something that you think, okay, I can't wait because this is, this is maybe a little area that I need some refining in. God's word is so good and he wants us to be pleasing to him, but he also wants our relationships one to another to be fruitful. And so he's going to give us in his word how we're supposed to act towards each other. Now you remember that Peter was not a very humble person. As Mark shared last week, it was said by John MacArthur, Peter was the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth because he was always saying things, but he was always kind of the large and in charge. Remember, he pridefully told Jesus, listen, although all these other disciples will abandon you, I will not. I will stay with you. And God knew that Peter was going to be humbled. When you find saints in the church that are very humble people, you might find that they have been, they've gone through a pretty rough patch. They might have had a very 
hard struggle younger in life and it made them a very humble person because they see how fast tragedy could come upon you. God humbles them and then they are very, very meek, lowly, humble, loving people. But first, I want to look at the perfect example. So turn to, with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We want to see the perfect example of humility and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, the stage is they're at the Passover or they're preparing that feast. And Jesus is going to do something to his disciples. So let me read you this story, John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So picture this scene. You have Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who's created everything. He gets up, the one who should be the honored person of this feast. He is the Passover lamb. Remember that back in the Old Testament time when the Israelites were in Egypt, the Lord said, Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, 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 no. And then Jesus said, or God said this, listen, you are going to take a lamb. You're going to sacrifice that lamb. You're going to put it on around the door. And when the destroyer goes through that city, God will pass over that house and no death will enter into that house. Now fast forward, when John the Baptist was there, he saw Jesus coming and then he said, behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Passover Lamb. He's getting ready to make this a final sacrifice because they're getting ready for the Passover. Now they thought they were getting ready for the normal Passover that they've done for years and years and years, but now Jesus is going to be the lamb that is sacrificed. And what does our Savior do? He gets up from this Passover feast and then he goes to his, his disciples and he starts to wash their feet. Look at verse 6. He came to Simon Peter. Now remember that. Simon Peter, who we're reading in 1 Peter, the one who God used to write this book that we're studying. Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Now, here's Peter. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So here's Peter saying, Lord, you will not do what you want to do. 
And then he, he says, listen, wash my whole body. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on the outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So here's Jesus, the perfect example of humility, of meekness, the one that is to be honored in all things. He gets up and he gives us the example of how we're supposed to treat each other. And so if you look in here, all the saints have come together and we are to be marked by humility, humility. Look at the second part of verse 5 in 1 Peter. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Now the beautiful thing is, is that a humble person, a, a, a person that is marked by humility, is an absolute joy to be around. These are the people that don't seek the praises of men when they are serving. And there are definitely those among us. One person always comes to mind in this church. They never seek praise for what they do. They never brag, but they are just a humble servant. Humble servant, always thinking of others and other things rather than themselves. This is what we are to be marked by. Now, the antonym or the opposite of humility is pride, is pride. Now, pride gets us into a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. Look at the second or the third part of verse 5, 1 Peter. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. So let's break that down a little bit. First, look at that. The God of the universe opposes the proudful person or the prideful person. The God of the universe opposes those that are prideful. Have you ever noticed this, that even when you're joking around and you are prideful and you're just having a, you're just being funny, that still people oppose you and they find a way to kind of go against you? I guess maybe you don't, but I do. I like to joke around a lot with my kids and I like to talk trash to them when we're playing video games that I'm so much better than them. And I kind of just, just for camaraderie. But I find this, it doesn't actually even work well when joking. It doesn't work well. They end up, like, it just, it just doesn't have the effect that you think it has. And I've had to learn this. I finally learned this. I think I'm 42, and I finally arrived at the fact that even when we're joking around and being prideful, people don't like it. People don't like it. People love a humble, 
humble person. Look at the second half of this. The God of the universe gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. Now here's the thing. We want to be a people that are marked by receiving grace. Can I get an amen? Man, we want grace. And if you look at that, God opposes those that are proud but gives grace to the humble. And so in your dealings with each other and with other people, are you a prideful person or are you a humble person? The Bible wants us to be marked by humility. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He may exalt you. Now, if you look at how this verse is tied to verse 5, let me read it all together. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, we don't have elders in this church. We have an elder. There's only one. Now, there's a plurality in this passage, but I'm the only elder in this congregation. But doesn't mean we can't have more elders. It just means in this congregation, there's one elder. Now, if you look at this, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. What everyone needs to understand is that when they humble and subject themselves to the pastor, ultimately they are subjecting themselves under the hand of God. Because I'm not the one that has the authority. God's the one that has the authority, which should be very, very encouraging to you because ultimately you know that you're submitting to the God of the universe. And so you think, okay, the God of the universe has Rusty's heart in his hand. He has everything about me in his hand, and he can discipline me very, very quickly. And so that should bring a lot of excitement in your mind. And you think, okay, praise God. Because I could submit to the elder or elders knowing that ultimately I'm submitting under the hand of God. God's ultimately in control of this church. I hope that frees you up. I hope that frees you up. Because you know what frees me up is that ultimately you're not my kids, you're God's kids. Now, I'm called to love and share things with you and teach you, but ultimately, your responsibility of responding to Scripture is between you and your Father, you and the one that you ultimately belong to, which frees me up because sometimes I get, you know, I get bummed out when I don't see people continue to come to the congregation for whatever reason. I pray for them, Lord, bring them back. Well, I don't know what's going on in their life. But I have to ultimately trust that they're God's kids, which frees me up from getting bitter. I just want to continue to love and love and love. And so as you look at me, you think, okay, he's under God's authority. I'm, I will submit to that, as the scripture says, but ultimately I'm going to submit to God's authority. Now look how it goes on. Humble yourselves. Now, here's the thing that I want to focus on in this scripture. Humble yourselves. God has commanded us to humble ourselves. And here's the thing is that God will not command us to do something unless he's given us the power to do it. The Bible says that we have been given the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. 
And now we can be obedient to Scripture. And so if you find it hard to humble yourselves in the church or in relationships that you have, I would encourage you to ask the Lord to help you because he's given you the power to humble yourself. He's given you that power. Let me read you a story about two men who were not willing to humble themselves. Quote, In the summer of 1986, two ships collided in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia. Hundreds of passengers died as they were hurled into the icy waters below. News of the disaster was further darkened when an investigation revealed the cause of the accident. It wasn't a technology problem like radar malfunction or even thick fog. The cause was human stubbornness. Each captain was aware of the other's ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear, but according to the news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first. By the time they came to their senses, it was too late. So you think about that. You have two captains, and they're on these ships, and they know that the other one is there, but either one of them will not humble themselves and give the other person the right of way. They won't humble themselves. And so I want to look at this story and transition it to our own lives. And the question is this, is that you have a relationship in your life like this? That you know of someone that both of you are acting prideful and neither one of you will pick up the phone call, the phone and, and make the call. And it's killing the relationship. Because here's the thing, saints, if there's tension here amongst the saints in the church because two people are not willing to humble themselves, there's going to be a death of a relationship and there's going to be hurt. And so as we look at this passage and as God is telling Christians to humble themselves because the God of the universe will oppose you, my encouragement as the pastor is to submit to this and make a phone call or text someone or make an email or go knock on someone's door. If in your life there is pride and a relationship is dying because of that, you need to humble yourself. You need to humble yourself. Maybe you're a parent and you know that you haven't really done the right thing with a child and it's very hard to humble yourselves with your kids because you think, I'm the parent. I should have everything in line. My encouragement to you is to humble yourself. If you are wrong, then set the example because guess what? The ultimate example, Jesus Christ, humbled himself and so parent don't think that your kids are going to lose respect for you if you admit that you are wrong all they're going to do like we've learned from Jesus is the good example of how to humble yourself when you are wrong how to humble yourself before others to seek the benefit of others more than your benefit because I will tell you this it is hard to make a phone call and to admit when you're wrong but man, when God heals that relationship, is there anything better? Is there anything better than getting off that phone? You might have cried on that phone as you apologize for something 
and you broke down those barriers, and then that person then in, in turn said, you know what, I'm sorry as well. Because here's the thing, saints, life is too short to go on not humbling ourselves one to another. I did a funeral yesterday out of nowhere. 70 years old, passes away. I don't think she woke up that morning thinking today's gonna be my last day on earth. In my mind, 70 is pretty young. People live a long time these years, these days. And so I would just encourage you, you, you don't know when that last day is going to be. And so as I stood and I did the funeral yesterday, I don't know what the final conversations of everybody involved was. There was no indication that there was anything wrong. But funerals are an amazing time to reflect on our temporalness here on this earth. And so my question to you is, if today was the last day on earth, if today you knew it was going to be your last day on earth, how would you order your day? When you leave here, how would you order your day? If you knew that at 6 o'clock today was going to be the last day on earth, and you were going to, go, you were going to be with the Lord, and you know you're a Christian, would you make any phone calls? Would you humble yourself in any way? Because if you would do that on the last day of earth, I would encourage you that you should do it today because you don't know when your last day is going to be on earth. But let me read to you in Psalm chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. See, there is a humility that should be marked by Christians, the absence of pride. But here's an ultimate humility that should be marked by humanity. Because the non-Christian says in his heart, there is no God. Look at Psalm chapter 10, verse 3 through 4. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. And the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. See, there's a, this passage here is talking about Christians. Christians humbling themselves one to another. Humbling themselves to the officers of the church. We've got that. But there's ultimately a humility that every person must have before their Savior. And so if you're here with us today and that you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, my encouragement to you would be today, humble yourselves before a Creator that loves you. Don't say in your heart there is no God so you can continue to live a life that is in opposition to your creator, but humble yourself, admit that you are wrong, and ask the Lord to forgive you for everything that you've done. Because here's the beautiful thing about scripture. The Bible teaches that Jesus loves us. He demonstrated his love for us by coming to the earth, living a perfect life, and then dying a substitutionary atonement death for us. What that means is that we are all condemned and must pay for all the sin that we've committed. 
But the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is that he says, I have paid for those sins, but here's what must happen. You must admit that you have sinned and you must ask me to forgive you of your sins. Believe in your heart that I am who I said I am. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Saint, as we close, I want to just say this. As I was doing the funeral, out of the blue, and I know that some of you know what I'm talking about, it was a surprise. Don't live thinking, you know what, next week I'm going to humble myself, either as a Christian or ultimately as a non-Christian to a Savior who loves you. I will say this to the Christian Today is the day to humble yourself and make that relationship that has been severed by pride whole again. And to the non-Christian, today is the day to come to a holy God who loves you, who demonstrated his love for you, and ask him to forgive you. Check your pride, bow your knee, and ask the Lord to forgive you. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and you are good and you are kind and you are merciful. Jesus, you demonstrated what humility looks like as you washed the dirty, nasty, hairy feet of the disciples. Your love is so beyond what we can even understand. You have set an example for us on how to be humble, how to esteem others higher than ourselves, how to love and how to serve. And so, Father, if there's any Christian in this congregation that needs to humble themselves, In any way, I pray that you would lovingly draw them to do that. That you would show them that you're with them and that it's good. Lord, that you would give them a joy in doing it and that you would heal relationships. Lord, that they would give you all the glory and they would thank you for giving them the ability to humble themselves. And Lord, if there's any non-Christians here today, Lord, I pray that your loving kindness would draw them to repentance, to humble themselves before a holy God and to say, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. I can't stop sinning. Save me, a sinner. Father, I pray that you would just work. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you'll stand with me, this is our time of invitation. This is me just inviting you to make a decision, inviting you 